0: All right, brothers, welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and I'm glad to be here with you. I'm excited. Um, it is early Saturday morning, The not too early, uh, it's 9 o'clock, so not so early, but you can tell, like here in the South, the seasons are starting to change, and my favorite time of year is always going to be fall. I just love the weather, love the changing of the of the leaves and so I'm glad to be here with you and I wanted to uh come here this morning and and really dive into uh part of a book that I've studied before read before actually in two thousand and twenty one early two thousand and twenty one I believe is when I was um, last studying this book but uh and it's the book of judges but I've been going back through it again uh, pretty pretty seriously over the past two weeks because I am going to be speaking at a men's conference in Missouri, um, the Arise Men's Conference in Missouri, uh, in two weeks. And so I have just been opening the word, really studying Gideon and the call of Gideon and uh, just just praying that the Lord would give me some words that I could, um, through His word that I can encourage uh, brothers in Christ with that weekend. So I'm believing that He's uh, putting together a um, presentation for me that um that I hope will uh, do whatever He desires it to do in the hearts of men and into my and in my heart. And that's that's why I'm here with you this morning is because as I've been going through judges, and reading this, I had to kind of go back into Judges one, and that's what I'm gonna to talk to you today about. Man, it just God just really convicted me and spoke to me. And so I wanted to share this uh here on the podcast. And if you're if you wanna watch this on YouTube, I've got uh the passage up. I might even put my notes up, I'm not really sure. Uh, but this is just uh from one morning just studying the word and I wanted to just to share this message with you. And I also want to share this idea or this thought. And, and it, this, and this is the thought like for every man listening, I'm, I believe that most of the men listen who listen to this podcast, I would probably say 95 to 99% of them struggle with porn and masturbation in some way. Right. And so, What I want you to hear is that through this, like when I speak to guys, whether it be at a men's conference or whether it be through the podcast or whether I'm like coaching in a group setting or individually, doesn't really matter. There's always two types of hearers, two types of people who listen. Number one is people who hear ideas and number 2 people or men who are awakened so what's the difference well men who get an idea typically that's typically that's kind of what they do all the time they're they're very much consumers of content and they consume they consume they consume but they take little action however the second man is awakened And an awakening means that you begin to take action. Like you wake up and do something. And so, you know, I was just thinking about this because it's so true. Like I look back at my life and how, how easy it was for me to consume, 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 and never create, create, create. And like, God's given us the ability to create, and you and I have the ability to create a new life based on the life that Christ has given us. Now that's up to us. And so if all we're getting are ideas, like if all we do is come to the word of God and get ideas, and that never leads to action, then it really wasn't an awakening. It was just an idea. And so, what I want you to hear is like when you come to the word of God, a lot of times, if you spend time thinking about it and praying through it, the Lord will give you, (laughs) like, he'll give you very clear directions on what he wants you to do. I was with my brother and my dad. We were in the Ozarks this uh, last week. And uh, my dad, so each day we were there three full days together. We played golf, we fished, and uh, my dad led um, Bible st- st- We had a devotional each night, and so my dad led devotion one night. His devotion was from, I think, Second John. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And Second John is only one chapter, and I can't remember the verse. It may be verse 4, verse 5. It says, this is love. That you obey my commands. And so I have found myself so many times saying, I love God, I love God, and then not obeying his commands. And it made me feel better to say, I love God, but yet that didn't like move me towards action. And so even this morning, I was reading Psalm 72 in my quiet time, praying, reading, and Man, I'm telling you God convicted me. Like he convicted me big time on in on an area of my life that I had been guilty of saying one thing and doing another. And so I had to take action. I believe that was an awakening, awakening. As a matter of fact, I even wrote that in my journal like October 1, 2022 an awakening. And I just praise God for that. Like he gives us opportunity and he's merciful. Like he's merciful. He's generous. He's patient. He's, he has steadfast love for us. And so I say all that to say, I pray that through this podcast, which is really nothing more than opening the word of God and saying, we've got to look at the gospel. We have to believe the gospel. We need to look at God's word and let that empower us and inform us how to live. I pray that men are awakened. That's it. That's it, like awakened. And then that awakening leads to believing and trusting in Christ. Not It's not a one-time thing. This is an every single day thing, every single day. But I also know that for an awakening – a man has to come to the end of himself he has to come to a, a, you know he has to come to an, a point a point where he says now is the time i was just talking with a, a friend of mine who has struggled with porn and masturbation for you know i don't know his his entire life he's in his 40s and this is just kind of normal. Like this is normal. This guy, this, this man is a leader in his family. He's a leader in, um, his church community in his community. Like people look up to him. He's a business owner. People love this guy, see him as a, as a, an incredible man of God. And I do too. Like, I love this guy. And we were just having a real honest conversation. And he, he actually texted me and said, Hey, I want some help. You know, one thing that you've always told me is nobody gets help until they finally decide it's time, and that's true. So what we need, what you and I need, brother, what I need is just exposure, exposure to the Word of God, to the gospel over and over and over until there's an awakening in our hearts and we decide to do something about it. All right. So if you're looking at, if you're on YouTube and you're looking at the screen, I've got judges and this is, this takes place after Joshua has passed away and the people are ready to take the rest of the land. Like God has, God has specifically told them, Hey, I'm going to lead you into the promised land, but you're not going to take all of it at once. Because if you did, then the wild animals would come in. There's not enough people to like, truly subdue the land, but he said, I'm going to lead you. God's like, I'm going to lead you to defeat your enemies, only you have to get rid of them completely. You cannot you cannot like get lulled into this thought that you can live peacefully with your enemies. It's just not going to happen. It's never going to happen, and so you have to get rid of them. And so here we are. I'm just going to read a few verses here and we're going to talk about it. Joshua 1 says, After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. Hey, that's a great start. (laughs) They asked the Lord, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted to me that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with you into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the pe- per- 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 Perizzites into their hand, and they defeated ten thousand of them at Bezek. And this is this looks like a beautiful, beautiful start, right? Right, like, man, this is an amazing. Okay, Joshua's gone. He was their leader and now they're in the promised land. Now they're going to go in. They're going to take all of the land that the Lord has given them and they're going to live in this land and they're going to worship the Lord and they're going to they're finally finding rest and peace in God's great promises, promises that he gave so long ago to Abraham. Centuries before. And so here we come. And we keep reading, we keep reading. And then we get to verse 19. And the Lord was with Judah, and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. And Hebron was given to Caleb and Moses as Moses had said, and he drove drove out from it the three sons of Anak verse 21 but the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem so the Jebusites have lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day now this is very very strange if you're reading this and you're reading like god absolutely the walls of Jericho like okay let's just go back not not only just the walls of Jericho right he defeated he defeated the enemies of god in Egypt he led them out by incredible signs. He sustained them through the wilderness. He defeated enemies in the wilderness. He tore down the walls of Jericho. And then he leads them to this land. Joshua was their leader. Then he passes away and God says, go up. I'm with you. Let's do it. This is how, they inquired of the Lord and he said, this is how you do it. Let's do this. And here they go, and it says, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. And if I'm recalling, if I go back and read Joshua verse, six, 17, verse chapter 17, verse 16, it says, The people of Joseph said, The hill country is not enough for us, yet all the Canaanites who dwell in the plain have chariots of iron, both these in Bethshean and its villages and those in the valley of Jezreel. Then Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are, numerous pe- you are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess it to the farthest borders. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. So Joshua is saying back in chapter 17 of Joshua, like, hey, It doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter if they have chariots of iron. You are going to overtake them. You're going to overtake them. So what are we learning from this? What are we learning? This is the question I had because what I want, what I want you to see in, let me go here to verse 19 on my screen. He could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. This made no sense to me. And so I started reading and I, I came across a uh, commentary by Tim Keller. And he had a fantastic point that really shed a lot of light on this. And that is this. And it is that the phrase there, he could not drive out, and he's talking about the people. When he says he, he's talking about the entire people. But he could not drive out the inhabitants is really he would not drive out the, the inhabitants. The could not is better translated would not. And so I started thinking, wow, is is this like this is the God who did all of those things that they've read about before. Who led Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, led them out of slavery from Egypt. All of these things God did. Who created the heavens and the earth and the stars and the sun and the moon. Like, is anything too hard for him? What are chariots of iron to him? They're nothing. If this is the same God who did all of those things then why did God's people not believe and drive out their enemies? And the truth is because they stopped looking to God and instead looked at their enemies. They started comparing themselves and felt themselves too weak. They took their eyes off of God and put their eyes on their enemy. And this is the truth. We know this from Scripture. A man cannot fear a person or a man cannot fear God and fear man at the same time. You pick one or the other. You pick one or the other. And so what happened is God's people stopped trusting him to fight their battles for him. The story they told themselves, so we have to remember that everything, like all of the sin and doubt and unbelief that we have really comes down to stories that we're telling ourselves, which is why, which is why, brother, it is so very important for you to be in the word and in prayer every single day, because you have to rewrite the stories programmed in you by your upbringing and by your sin nature. And so the biggest challenge in our fight against pornography and masturbation is not this habit that somehow has tricked our brain. It's instead the sin and the influence of the world and all of the, all of the things that have us doubt God and not believe the gospel. Like the biggest challenge is just believing what God said is true. That's it. It's not that I need more self-discipline. Yes, I do need more self-discipline. Yes, I need more self-control. I, I see that as a fruit of the spirit. But what I really need is how do I get more of the spirit? is I believe the gospel. I read the gospel. I believe the gospel. I pray through the gospel. I share gospel community with other brothers. Like I was with a group of guys this past Monday and Tuesday and this is what our focus was. Our focus was on hey, how do we as men live in a world today? How do we how do we take care of our families? How do we lead our families? How do we love our children and love our wives? How do we lead in the workplace and create and excel and expand in the workplace? How do we how do we do all of this while taking care of our bodies, giving attention to our bodies, and while growing in our faith in Christ. Like, this is a very, very difficult thing to do. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we don't have the spiritual peace down, like if we're not looking at things through spiritual eyes, then guess what? One thing becomes more important than all the others. It's either going to be our business becomes more important or our bodies become more important or our families become more important. And nothing is more important than your ability to come back to the gospel every single day and preach a gospel message and a gospel sermon to yourself and believe what you're preaching. And that comes from the grace of God. And when that happens, you begin to have more self-discipline, and you begin to have more self-control, and you begin to have stronger desires for Christ than you have desires for pornography. But when we take our eyes off of Christ, when we take our eyes off of the gospel message, what we do is we start putting our eyes on the enemy, and we start telling ourselves—this is the stories they were telling themselves— God's people were saying, we can't defeat them. They're too powerful. What if we lose? What if they take our families and make us their slaves? These were all lies that they were believing that kept them from enjoying the full blessing of God. And so this is what I wrote in my journal. Like half-hearted obedience and discipleship is none at all. It is either leave everything and follow Christ or don't at all this is the message of jesus in luke i want to say chapter 9 maybe around verse 57 three times like once god said follow me uh, jesus said follow me and the other two said hey i'm going to follow you and he said no i don't know if you really are because foxes have holes and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head oh oh jesus i'm going to follow you but first Let me go and bury my father. Let the dead bury their own dead. You come and follow me. Like, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is worthy of me. So Christ says, follow me or don't. And so God says here, get rid of all the inhabitants, all of your enemies, or don't. And if you don't, then guess what? They are going to be a snare and a trap to you. They're going to lead you away from blessing that I've given you in Leviticus 26, from the blessing of God, and they're going to take you towards the curse found in Levit- Leviticus 26 when people turn their back on God. And so this message I wrote in my journal, this message is for me. Like, what happens is we start to fear other people we start to fear this enemy this like fear losing pornography and our access to pornography We start fear like I've talked to enough men to know that when pornography the thought of pornography and masturbation is gone from their life there's fear there a lot of times there's a fear of like what if I don't have access to it? what if I can't get I've used it so many times for medication I've used it for, like, to help me uh, sedate. I've used it for all kinds of things. What if it's not there? And so I just wrote, like, fear is a mistress that quietly seduces me back into the arms of compromise. Get this this is what Keller wrote. He says, It is not our lack of strength that prevents us from enjoying God's blessings or from worshiping God wholeheartedly. It is our lack of faith in his strength. His strength. So, brother, let me ask you, do you believe that God is strong enough to free you from the bondage of pornography and masturbation? If you don't, then you're no different than Judah here that said, ah, we can't really drive out those people because they have chariots of iron they had completely forgotten who god is this is what spurgeon said he said if they had believed in god and gone forward in his name the horses would soon have fled away he said this is the problem he said the imperfection of their faith is this as it may be in yours as well, my brothers, that they believe one promise of God and did not believe another. There is a kind of faith which is strong in one direction, but utter weakness if tried in other ways. Man, that's so true. And so if you keep going down in this chapter, we, there's a heading in the ESV Bible, which is what I usually read from. It says, failure to complete the conquest." And so there's just all of a sudden verse after verse after verse after verse of compromise. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and its villages, or Tanak and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Iblem and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages, for the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in the land. So the Canaanites were like they were more determined to dwell in the land than Israel was to obey God. And then you go down to verse 33. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites. And then it says, instead of like driving them out, they just became su- subject to forced labor for them. So Israelites were like, you know what? I, what if we? Don't drive them out. What if we just make them our slaves? Let's just use them for our purposes. This is called compromise. And then we go down to verse 35. And the Amorites persisted in dwelling in Mount Herez. But the hand of the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. So it's more convenient and seems to make more economic sense to rule over their enemies than to drive them out and this isn't this what we like you know if if you're struggling with pornography and you have identified instagram as one of your triggers how often have you convinced yourself that i don't need to get rid of instagram If you are triggered by movies that have nudity in them, how come we think that we can flirt with that stuff? If you're triggered by XYZ, you name it, everyone has triggers. Everyone has stories around those triggers and everyone has rituals. If that's the case, why Why are you compromising with those things? Right? So it's one thing to say, I love you, Christ. It's another thing to say, I'll obey you no matter what. This was my conviction this morning as I read the word. I was like, wow, God, I've said one thing and I've done another. He awakened me this morning. And I pray that he awakens you when you listen to this. Like as I was read as I read these verses this morning, I just wrote down, like it's as if the people of God, they grew tired of the conquest, or maybe they just didn't see the point anymore. They ruled a majority of the land, and what starts in earnest slowly fades to I don't really need to try that hard. And this is the drift of hebrews two one. we I have a podcast uh, if you listen, go listen to the drift. Probably the first five or ten podcasts is the drift, and it's um all about Hebrews 2.1. And the whole point is that we must pay special and very close attention to the gospel, to what Jesus Christ has said, lest we drift away from it. And I'm telling you, there's a, a fantastic quote, and I'll and I'll give it to you right here. John Piper says this. He says uh, about Hebrews 2:1, there is no standing still, referring back to lest we drift away. Like drift is like a, a term. Just think about something drifting down a river, like a leaf falls into the river and it's gone. He says, there is no standing still. The life of this world is not a lake. It is a river and it is flowing downward to destruction. If you do not listen earnestly to Jesus and consider him daily and fix your eyes on him hourly, then you will not stand still. You will go backwards. You will float by. Brother, 100% true. I've seen it in my life and I see it in the lives of every man I've ever spoken with. There's a tendency to take our foot off the gas, to drift, to reach a peak and go, Hey, I'm at the peak. I'm feeling good. And then all of a sudden, the next thing, you know, you're in a pit. Like this is something, this group of brothers of mine, that that we get together once a quarter, we meet monthly on a zoom call. We talk weekly this is something we talk about all the time, like peak to pit, peak to pit. Like It's like, hey, we're at the peak, and all of a sudden what happens? We lose urgency. There was a great urgency when the when the children of God were outside of the promised land, and they knew that they had to drive the inhabitants out. They had to take Jericho. There was urgency there. Then they got settled. Then, the, you know what, they had crops. Then they— felt peaceful and then there's not as much urgency to go and drive everyone out and this is this happens in my life like what starts in earnest slowly fades as i settle down and i start paying attention to what everyone else is doing instead of paying attention to christ and him alone i mean it's it's amazing it's amazing keller says this when when we read all these passages and they they made these their enemies subject to forced labor for them they settled alongside of them they just said hey we're going to rule over them we're not going to drive them out of the land we're not going to drive them out of our lives we're so that we can keep our worship of god pure Because that's not what they were thinking. They weren't thinking that all of a sudden they would be, they would start to compromise everything about their worship of God. But they did, and so this is what Keller says. He says, like buried mines, these idols lie dormant in Judges one, ready to explode in the spiritual lives of God's people. And this is exactly what you see. This is what you see all over Judges. And so, like I'm focused, and when I'm about to give this talk at this conference. I'm focused on Gideon's call, but Gideon is like number th- the third or fourth judge that God brings onto the picture because God's people compromise, they drift away. And so this is this is what scholars call the cycle of the judges. And you could literally draw a cycle, like a circle, and say, "This is what they do every time." So there's commitment and conviction for God's people. They're serving God. They're doing what He asked. Like when Joshua was, Joshua was alive, they were pushing out their enemies. They were ruling over their enemies. They were finding success. And then all of a sudden, like I mean, these these men were, and they were going to battle. They were finding strength in the Lord. The Lord was doing awesome and mighty things, and then all of a sudden they just kind of get complacent. They get complacent. So think about it. You, you may have had victory in your struggle or fight against pornography for a time, right? And so you get complacent. You've driven it out, but you haven't replaced it with anything. Like what we have to have is we have to have something far superior to por- than pornography to keep the enemy out. We have to have this overwhelming desire and love for Christ and communion with him. I'm telling you, like one one ounce of communion with Christ is far sweeter than all the pornography in the world. But what happens is we get complacent. And the battle against sin and the battle for sexual integrity starts to wear on us, and we get tired. And so we become complacent. And when a man becomes complacent, he begins to compromise. We make peace with the world, and we call the idols that they serve no big deal. Next, we start mingling their practices with our worship of God. Before we know it, we're into full-blown idolatry and prostitution. So conviction, Leads to or commitment and conviction, if not kept up, will lead to complacency and then lead to compromise. And then in love, in love, God allows us to be captured and he turns us over to our captors and allows us to be locked up in this pit. Like in love, he disciplines us. disciplines us and sometimes that means letting us face the consequences of our sin like this is the this is the story of my life in love like when i look back at what happened to me in 2013 and beyond like i just thank god that he he loved me enough to discipline me like if he had not i would have completely lost my way so We go commitment and conviction to complacency, to compromise, and the people get captured, and then they get crushed. This is what we see all throughout the book of Judges. They're crushed under the weight. So when we meet Gideon in in Judges chapter 6, they're hiding from the Midianites. Like Gideon is found hiding in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites, because the Midianites were oppressing them. They were coming and taking all their food. They would grow crops, and they would come in and take it all, and they would wear them out, and so Gideon was scared and hiding in a wine press, and then God, the angel of the Lord, comes and meets him and says, hey, Gideon, mighty man of valor. Now, I know that doesn't make any sense, and this podcast is, I'm not going to get into that, but I will. I will come back and talk about that, because the story is just fantastic, and we can learn so much from it, but when the people of God are crushed under their sin, they cry out. They cry out, and so if you look at this, this is cycle of judges, and likely it's the cycle that you're in. Likely, what I what I've noticed is that there's this circle of insanity, or we could call it the cycle of insanity. It's, it really just mimics the cycle of the judges. For a man who's struggling with pornography and masturbation, he continually goes down and finds himself in the pit and he cries out to God. God comes and restores fellowship to him. He gets, he, after he's been convicted and he's like, Hey, God, I'm never doing this again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in purity. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And all of a sudden we become complacent, we get compromised, we become captured, we get crushed, and we're in the pit of shame and guilt, and we cry out to God. And he comes and because he's generous, because he has Steadfast love for us, He saves us and He helps us, and man, like there's no shame. Like He took all the the weight of the sin off of me, and so I, this is why I have to just keep coming back to the gospel, just to see this beautiful picture of Christ, like bearing the weight of my sin on His shoulders on the cross, and it just makes me fall in love with Him more and more. And you know what? You and I will never ever. Reach the bottom of God's love. Like we'll never reach the bottom. Like dig for this treasure. Dig for this treasure. If you are in the habit, if you are in the habit of just reading your Bible and not meditating on your Bible and not studying your Bible, I want to encourage you to. In, I just want to encourage you to meditate, to study, to dig. Like. Dig for it as if it were a billion dollars hidden in your backyard. Dig, dig, dig. So, this is either an idea or this is an awakening. Like, which is it to you? Like, I get emails all the time from brothers from all over the world, really struggling with porn and masturbation. And I get it, brother. I was you. I just want to point, like if I can save you by God's grace, if I can save you the years and years and years of a wasted life. I'm not saying your life is a waste. It's not. Your life is meant for something, like something incredible. I know how many brothers are depressed. I know how many brothers are suicidal. I know how many brothers are struggling so bad, like they hate their sin, and yet they don't hate their sin, right? They hate their sin when they're in it, when it's done. They don't hate it when they think everything's okay. I just want to encourage you, brother, like fight everything in you. Fight. Wake up. Like I'm going to this men's conference, and it's this Rise Up conference, and I think that's a fantastic, fantastic title. But let me tell you, before a man can rise up, he has to wake up. He has to wake up. And so, so many of us, like, finding a podcast is good, right? So if you're searching for a podcast and you find this one that wants to point you to Christ instead of porn— I want you to fall in love with Christ and fall out of love with porn. And that's a good thing, but don't let it end there. We can get trapped into the idea that listening to a podcast or even recording a podcast is like somehow this end all be all. And it's not, it's not like information without implementation is just another form of sedation. Like We're just sedating. We can't do that. We can't make ourselves feel better because we listen to a podcast or even that we just read our Bible. Like, we have to dig. We have to believe. Like, reading the Bible and believing the Bible are two different things. Like, we have to cry out, like, God, give us spiritual insight. I was just thinking about this this morning as I started my quiet time. I, I have, I've shared this before. I've got these four short prayers based on something that I read, um, that John Piper does every time before he reads his Bible. And I thought if it's good enough for John, it's good enough for me, but it's just based on four different passages. And I can't even give you the verses of those passages just because I've memorized the passages. And so it's like the first one is Lord. Open my eyes to behold beautiful things in your law. I'm sure that comes from Psalm 119 somewhere. Like just open, I'm just asking God, open my eyes so that I can see the truth of the gospel. I can see beautiful things out of your word. That's the first thing. The next is incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Like, God, incline my heart to your testimonies. I was like, turn my heart towards you and not towards selfishness. Because I know left alone my heart desires to please itself all the time. So that's the second one. Next is God, teach me your ways that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Like God, God is He's gracious and He's good, but He His name is to be feared. Like God. Unite my heart to fear your name. And then lastly, satisfy me this morning with your steadfast love that I may rejoice and be glad all of my days. So those are the four things I pray before I open the word. Before I read one thing in the morning, this is what I'm praying. And it's not it doesn't take long. I mean, it took me that long to do it. But I'm believing that God hears those prayers. He desires to open my eyes to his word, to turn my heart, to to cause me to fear Him and love Him and satisfy me, and this is the, that that last prayer. I promise you, for you, brother, may be the most important. Satisfy me this morning with Your steadfast love, that I may rejoice and be glad. I change it. It says all my days. I just change it to today. Like what I'm looking for is to be satisfied today. Like satisfy me today. And and I and I will tell you. Like I don't know if I've ever known God not to answer that prayer so all right brother listen I hope that judges is an encouragement to you if you want to know what the study is that I've read through which which is a fantastic study I highly encourage it Tim Keller you can look up judges for you and I would man Read that book along as you study the word, like study, then read the commentary and then journal and then pray like that is a four, uh, you know, just a beautiful, like these are four different things you can do that would just be perfect. So I encourage you to do that brothers. Listen, a lot is going on. There's a lot of, uh, man, I'm just, I just praise God for a lot of things that he's doing, uh, in men's lives and um yeah, so I look forward to being back with you on another episode of Porn of the Gospel soon.